bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, the super simple cloud accounting software that's giving thousands of freelancers and small businesses the tools to save time billing and get paid faster. Try it free at freshbooks.com slash TWIP. Be sure to check out the TWIP School Veterans Day Sale, three of our most popular courses, Pocket Shooters, Aurora HDR 2017 Demystified, and Digital Video Alchemy, reduced from $147 to just $47 each, but only for a few days. Just use the coupon code TWIPVETERAN at checkout. This is TWIP, episode 490, The Creative's Cloud. Adobe updates its Creative Cloud apps and announces big changes to their Adobe stock service. Also, the Cubs win the World Series, but photojournalism coverage of the event lost. And you may have heard that innocuous webcams were the unwitting tools of the recent massive internet disruption. Well, looks like you may have heard wrong. It's Monday, November 7th, 2016, Election Eve, and this is TWIP. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me on the show today are two of my really good friends, Mr. Martin Bailey and Mr. Craig Colvin. Hey guys, how you doing? Great. Doing great. Yeah, this is, this is uh, you know, we were, we were talking before I clicked the record button. It, uh, this is kind of a light news week, but I'm going to do my best to make it salacious. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna act like you know CNN or or one of these news media outlets we have here, and take something that's not that big a deal and blow it up. <laughs> so make, so just something. like all the election stuff, right? Just yeah. like all the election stuff. Yeah, and it's funny you say that as we record this, it is the night before election Tuesday, Super Tuesday. So uh, by the time this is listened to. We will know who the president of the United States is in theory. <laughs> right now, we don't know. So, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know how I feel about that, Greg. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I don't feel. Yeah, I, I would rather. Yeah, we just not know. I know, you know, Martin. It's like you know how you get those those cool jitters the night before Christmas, and it's like you know you know something's coming. You don't know what it is, but it's exciting and all that. I feel like that, but it feels like. Maybe it's tonight, like you got sentenced since the night before it, you have to report to jail or something. Yeah, it's, it's more dread. It's, it's not more excitement, dread. it's dread. Yeah. It is dread. Either way, either way yeah. it goes, you know, it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword. So, anyway, despite that cloud of, of political entropy that we're dealing with, we, we, are, we have some cool stories to talk about on the show. Before we do that, Martin, what's, uh, what's going on with you, man? What's happening in your world? Oh, I... Uh... I've getting ready now to. I've actually had to plan a um, a quick visit back to the UK to visit family. So I'm I'm trying to get some uh, some podcasts in the pipe um, ready for to you know to feed out while I'm away. Yeah. Um, looking at a few a few new things. Um, one exciting new thing that I can't even mention because of an NDAs, but um, there's some there's some good stuff coming down the pipe. Um, and uh, yeah, just have, it's one of those catch up sort of times for me. It's between my uh, I, I finished Greenland and Iceland in uh, September, and now I'm just sort of on the build up to my winter tours. So it's it's that time when I'm getting lots of stuff done in the in the room here. My 
my little uh, apartment uh, studio in in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, I actually moved my room back around as, as well. <laughs> so did I, I. It's that time of year. I moved mine yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just it, yeah, get get stuck in. It's actually. I mean, it's good because I'm I'm still um, teaching at the Arcanum, and I go off I go off like you know submerge for months at a time as I do my traveling. So yeah. it's good because I'm now able to get back in with the group and and uh, you know and help those guys out a little bit more as well. So all good. 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 I love. I love that you're. You're always busy. You're always. You're constantly. You're like Tarzan, swinging from vine to vine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Without the yell. Stuff. Without the yell. Yeah. And Craig, what about you, man? I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I, I've been uh, super busy. I wish there were more hours in the day. Um, yeah. I've been uh, working on scheduling, getting some workshops set up for the oh, new year. Nice. Um, so I have one with the Utah Adventures, uh, where we're going to take. Uh, uh, nude models do fine art nudes in the desert, mm. and uh, I got. I've that. done that with you before in uh, yeah. in in, uh, in West where Vegas. Were we? We, where, were, where? we uh, Valley of Fire outside. Valley of, of Fire, Vegas. yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so you know uh, your stuff. You definitely know your stuff. Anyway, going to be uh, joining them for one of their tours in uh, next June, and uh, the Palo Alto Art League. I'm going to be teaching some lighting classes there on uh, photographing the human form. Cool. And, cool. Uh, it's awesome. it's been it's been busy. busy 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 speaking of palo alto and photography you heard the news right uh, well i did uh, yeah, yeah. keeble and shuckett keeble and shuckett is a f- kind of a staple in silicon valley for photography it's a f- brick and mortar photography store shut their doors uh what is it, about a month or so ago right, right. after 70 yeah. something years yeah 70 oh something years they shut yeah. down couldn't couldn't make a go of it and you know we we've talked about it on this week in photo before just these the, the brick and mortar stores and how they're faring and what's happening there and i think a lot of it is due to you know the amazon right i mean yeah, <laughs> people yeah, people absolutely. go into the stores and they they fondle the gear and then they give it back and go order the thing on their phone sitting in the parking lot right mm. so right cheaper yeah. and no tax cheaper and no cases. tax yeah. yeah yeah it's sad to see cuz you know those those stores provide a valuable service cuz you go in and you know you kind of get to be geek out and see the lighting gear on the show floor and you know all that stuff it gets you excited to go into a camera store and it's uh, it's sad to feel like that that dimension of things is it might be going away. Uh, uh, Martin, what about Yodabashi Camera? Is Yodabashi still doing okay in Tokyo? Yeah, they're doing great. But the, what what they're what they're doing though is they um, Yodabashi is one of the better ones. They've still got a a huge multi. I think it's a five or six floor building yeah. in Shinjuku that's that's just for cameras. But around there, they've got a, a whole. They've got like the multimedia store, and they've got all. They've got like even a watch store that just sells watches. And so they've they've basically they're gradually taking over all of West Shinjuku. Um, every oh, wow. time a, every time a shop empties, they just buy it or rent it or whatever they good, do. Good, good. Um, but yeah, they're they're booming. Um, there's other stores. There's Bic Camera, as in Bic the pen. You know the mm-hmm. the the, the BIC. Yeah. Um, they. Um, they have a number of stores, and you go in there, and it's still called Big Camera, but the, their camera area is like a, a tiny square in the in the corner of a big department store now. Um, so you know, but they're doing okay, and and I think the thing is, is that there's it, maybe it's just a mentality thing. But if I go to Yodabashi and uh, and I want to buy something, I'll generally buy it there. Um, mm-hmm. They what they do though is there's 
I mean, my favourite store here in Tokyo is Map Camera, just down the street from Yodabashi, because they're a little bit cheaper. Um, but, you know, I, I buy from these places, especially camera lenses and bodies. I'll always buy from these places because I want somewhere that I can go straight back. If, I, if there's something wrong with the gear, they yeah. all honour uh, like two... If you bring it back in two weeks, if, if, it's, if it's broken out of the box, then just bring it back and we'll exchange it for you straight away. And although you can do that with Amazon, the, the thing that I've found with Amazon, especially here in Japan, is they've tied up with so many different small... Um, resellers that you don't really know when i always try to i always try to find the ones where it says it it's sold and shipped by amazon.co.jp yeah. Yeah. um but if you sometimes even when you do that it ends up coming from some obscure reseller and it can get really difficult to send stuff back or, yeah. or get a refund yeah. so i i'm you know with camera bodies and lenses i always just buy from from map camera and a lot of the other stuff i'll buy direct from yodabashi um, yeah. You know, it's just it just seems easier and safer to me in many ways. But you know, you think about it, and not everyone is in a major metropolitan area like that. Exactly. Some people yeah. don't. Yeah. yeah. Some people just don't have a a, a big camera store that yeah. they can that's convenient to them that yeah. they can go you know go buy stuff from and then have that yeah. easy return. So yeah, you, you know, I I mean, I, I buy from Amazon here a lot. I I've got a I mean, I've, I've got some stuff here that I'm probably going to talk about at the pick enjoying the pick of the week and mm-hmm. i bought all of that from amazon i i have the the guy coming with amazon boxes probably at least once a week so i, I <laughs> yes. use them it's a almost lot. daily here yeah <laughs> yeah guilty I use them a lot. yeah so <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not that i don't understand that I, but i do think that there's um it's probably uh even if there's a few you know 10 20 bucks difference in price or so sometimes more i'll I'll often still just buy from a bricks and mortar store, just in in part way, just to help them stay stay you know relevant and mm-hmm. keep them keep them in business. Well, yeah. when you were talking about this five stories of camera, you know, camera store, whatever, it made me think of B and H in New York, mm-hmm. right? And I mm-hmm. buy a lot instead of buying from Amazon, I buy from B and H. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of helping the brick and mortar store stay so around. So you, you, Craig, you buy from B and H and ship, or do you, when yeah. you're in New York, you just go buy stuff? Both. Um, I would say half, at least half the camera gear I buy, I I ship from B and H. Okay. Okay. So as opposed to Amazon, uh, the prices are often comparable. I don't and, know why. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't. I. I don't think I've bought from B and H more than twice. Not because of any, you know, sort of protest or anything. It's just my. I'm used to buying things from Amazon, and it's, right. it feels easy to go in there and look for the Prime logo, and it's there. And mm-hmm. you know, right. I, I read through the comments, and if there's no glaring kind of craziness there, I click buy, and a couple of days later, it's on my porch. So the nice thing about B&H, it does have things that I I have trouble finding on Amazon or that, like Martin said, is coming from one of these third parties and it's going to be two weeks to ship. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so so going to B&H works well there. Well, some of the some of the TWIP listeners are, will, will probably comment and say that, well, you know, B and H and their 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 policies with regard to their workers and all that stuff. Remember, we covered that story earlier. Right. What was it earlier this year or late last year? So there's that. You know, well, so if you the, have the that, other that, issue, those sort I have of political leanings. I always need something the week they're closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There so, are so for many. For some Jewish reason, holidays. your your gear needs coincide with <laughs> Passover. <laughs> Well, some Jewish holiday. There's lots of them. Yeah, Rosh Hashanah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
Oh well, well eight, luckily there are there are lots of choices. So if for whatever for whatever reason you have an aversion to B and H, you can go to someplace else. And mm. if you're like lucky like Martin, you can still patronize the the brick and mortar stores. I would encourage that to patronize the guys that are keeping people employed and keeping sort of the hobby of photography alive beyond just the ether. Because it's I think it's really important. That stuff needs to manifest some other way. I think if if the brick and mortar stores continue to kind of you know, atrophy or whatever. We we need some kind of physical outlet where people can go and touch and feel and not necessarily buy stuff. I hope maybe there's you a know, business model in there somewhere. You know, I I reckon what what needs to happen is the 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 people you know the people that are making the products need to adjust their pricing. They, they I know that it's it's difficult for them to say, okay, if you're here, we're gonna pay, we're gonna charge you this much, and if you're a bricks and mortar store, we're gonna charge you this much. But I think they need to do something to help the bricks and mortar stores pay, stay, you know, stay up in business. Mm-hmm. Just sort of give them a give them a higher commission or figure out some way of making it worth their while staying in a bricks and mortar store. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, a, that's a that's a chain that's a chain link problem all the way up because the yeah. manufacturers are going to say, well, who's who's going to cut right or. Mm-hmm. If they cut their prices, then they're going to have to cut employees, and then you know it's it's a trickle down. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of uh, the ma- manufacturers are starting to address that with what they call brand programs. That it it basically they fix the price. You cannot sell below that, or you will no longer be a dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's they get around it being called price fixing because they call it brand brand identity, <laughs> maintaining our brand, and you have to sign a contract to, uh. to do that. Um, but it, it it's a it's a struggle for them to get dealers to sign up for that, and it, yeah, it's, it, there's always somebody who's going. One of the other ways these these manufacturers are sort of getting around the whole brick and mortar stuff attrition um, is they are doing these deals with the big box retailers like the like Best Buy, et cetera, where they actually put physical not physical but they put employees. In those stores, like a Panasonic will have a Panasonic, a full-time salary Panasonic rep in the store. So will Nikon, Sony, Canon, et cetera, that, you know, then they have their own mechanics in there where they have their own quotas. The problem with that is those people appear to be salespeople on the show floor, but a layer deep, they are working for a particular brand or a particular company. And the incentive, because they're working on a quota system, the incentive is for them to if Craig, you go in and yeah, you say, "Hey, direct me to their brand of camera." Of course, if yeah, you go in and say, one, "Hey, right. I need the, not the best camera." If I go, I go in and I, I need I need the best camera for video. They're not gonna, you know, a DSLR for video. They're not gonna direct me to a GH4. They're gonna direct the Sony guy is gonna say, "Well, yeah, you need the A7 for sure." <laughs> that, right, right. that shoots, you know. But yeah. you know, all there, the while, I mean, there's, there's been some of that in all the brick and mortar stores, though, because the manufacturers are constantly giving them bonuses and all this if they push that their particular product for this month. Uh, you know, they have quotas as well, even though, you know, you know they. They're supposed to be agnostic, camera mm-hmm. agnostic in the brick and mortar store. So where do they you go? I mean, where, where do people that are listening to this, whether they're a new photographer or a jaded, I mean, seasoned professional, <laughs> where, where, where do they go for you know advice other than the internet? Is there a place other than the internet to go for just regular, non biased advice on what to buy? Well, I think any place where you can hang out with other photographers, mm-hmm. um, right? 
camera clubs, um, you know, meetup groups, workshops, that sort of thing. Um, right. Anytime you go one of these, there's going to be a, a huge group of people talking about equipment. Now, some yeah. of them are a little right uh, religious about their their brand, but you can mm-hmm. at least get, you know, what they like about it and what they don't like about it and make your own informed decision. Yeah, yeah. Well, the it's the, it's that question: What camera should I buy? Right? That's what we all get. Mm-hmm. Hey, someone comes to you and say, "Hey, Craig, what camera should I buy?" But if they go to Best Buy and say, "Hey, person, what camera should I buy?" <laughs> you know, they're not going to get necessarily the best answer. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sorry, Martin, to cut you off. What were you going to say? No, no. Yeah, I was going to say on on Craig's point. Now, you know, you can also just you can handle the gear that the other the other participants of, of tours or or the camera clubs have i, I remember that the very first hokkaido um lands, landscape and wildlife workshop that i did in 2008 i i came home and spent about two thousand dollars on gear that just because yeah. i'd seen you know yeah. I, was lead, I was leading the workshop but i'd been in a bit of a um a, a desert in some ways being in Japan because I'd not really been understood what people were using in the US or in other countries. And it was there that I learned about really right stuff and, you know, all of these great manufacturers that I love working with now. Um, so that's, that's a great point that Craig just raised there. Yeah. 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 All I've right. bought several lenses because I borrowed them from somebody on a, on a workshop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and have, yeah. and it's like, oh, I have to have this now. Yeah. 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 Well, that's yeah. the other thing. You, you, that's the other thing that I think might be eating into the the profits of these brick and mortar camera stores, and that's rental. Mm. And so, yeah. You know, instead of buying stuff, a lot of people just rent it. I know my my friend. Uh, he's a filmmaker, Ron Dawson, up in the Seattle area. He shoots for clients all the time, but doesn't own a, a professional rig. Like he'll, depending on the budget of the client, that dictates what he's going to shoot it on, whether it's a red or a GH4 or other. So right. that's for another commercial, dynamic. For commercial shooting. photographers, that works great, right? Mm-hmm. Hobbyists, it, it does get a little pricey, but mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it bites into your your honey. Can I? <laughs> Uh, about a month ago, I rented an underwater housing because I wanted to do some underwater nudes in mm-hmm. the pool. And uh, for the cost of a rental, it was um, it was about a third what a cost of an underwater housing would cost. Right, you know, so, third to a fourth. So I couldn't. So if you're going to do four of those, if you're going to do four of those, it's a good idea to just buy it and suck yeah, it. Yeah, which I did. Then you know the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and Craig, those underwater nudes you did, those weren't of yourself, were they? Uh, no, no. Okay, not, good. Well, those are, like, the, underwater selfies are coming, but yeah, that's not here yet. Yeah, just warn yeah. us before. Yeah. So can... yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, let's jump into the news. The first story that we're going to cover this week is uh, last week Adobe did their annual Max conference, Adobe Max, where they it's kind of like their Mac World or their CES or whatever. Uh, where they talk about the newest features in all of their apps, and you know there were there were kind of mixed reactions with the update to the Creative Cloud apps. Some people say there were, you know, it was it was great to see them polishing things. Other folks say it was kind of lackluster. Uh, but they did they add a couple of uh, interesting features, and I'm going to read this blurb here. So they announced a partnership with the news agency Reuters, uh, the largest multimedia news provider. And uh, so they're they're basically making all of their image content and video content available to view and use through Adobe Stock, including 60 million royalty-free photos, videos, and more. Which is that's kind of a big deal, I think, uh, for Adobe. That's a that's a big deal. They've also added lots of lots of little polishing touches to Photoshop and other Creative Cloud apps. Nothing big and revolutionary like we used to get back in the day. You remember layers showed up 
and right. you know, uh, Photoshop got a video timeline, and then 3D was thrown in there. Nothing groundbreaking or revolutionary like that. But and I want to get your your both of your opinions on this. For me, as a Creative Cloud customer, I'm actually okay with that. I don't need revolutionary every single time they rev the app. I'd rather them give me a great app and then just keep polishing it behind the scenes and maybe every couple of years give me something revolutionary as the creative world zeitgeist you know kind of dictates, but don't just give me stuff just to fuel the you know make me feel good about my creative cloud subscription. Right. I don't know. Right. What, what do you well, think? Well, that's Mike? that's um a lot of times they would do they would just throw in features because they had to have something to release. Mm-hmm. And and when they were on the the you know actual physical product where you were, they were releasing one every year. They had to do that. Yeah. With the Creative Cloud, what they have released a lot of new features over the past year. Yeah, they trickle right? them out. It's like an yeah, IV drip of features. Them out. And so yeah. there's been some really, you know, content-aware crop is really, mm-hmm. really great. They've improved stitching for panoramas. Um, there's been a lot of little features that they've yep. added just yep. along the way. And so when they have these big announcements, there's just nothing big. To well, it's, it's, it's a double edged sword because they they set them el- themselves up for this. Right. So they well, do this big, big conference, grandiose right? yeah. conference event where people are like, well, if they're spending all this money to do this event, there must be something big coming. And then it's. So so they kind of they kind of set themselves up for that. And then the other thing is people. You know, consumers, myself included, were trained right now to expect big things. You know, all these companies, like even Apple, right? When Apple's under yeah. immense pressure to out innovate themselves every single release, and if they don't, Apple's going down the drain. Oh, this is the post Steve era. They've lost their way. Yada yada yada. You know, if they don't, and even if they do make something good, there's trolls that come out of the woodwork that that pick it apart and destroy everything. All these engineers and people spent untold days and hours away from their families building for us right martin what do you what do you think about this whole thing yeah you know i i think it's it's obviously there if there's not meaty stuff on the table at these big meetings it does make you wonder why they even they even have the event mm-hmm. um but i i totally agree with what you're both saying you know that they are pushing out relatively meaty features and it's it's they're coming on a on a steadier pace and it i i just I feel the I can un- totally understand the value of the creative cloud and I'm I'm happy to be a part of that. Um I I've actually since since moving I switched my entire workflow from Lightroom to Capture One a few months ago. Oh, okay, and since cool. since then I thought okay so do I need the creative cloud anymore? Mm-hmm. And the answer is is still yes. I mean because mm-hmm. I I only Lightroom's only one part of it. I still use Photoshop quite a lot. I use Illustrator. I use InDesign. I use Premiere. Um, I use. Um, I've now started. I record my podcasts in in Audition now rather than GarageBand. Oh, so cool. I'm I've, because I've 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 put a few things in that only really works well with Audition, and and I've I've changed the workflow. Um, so there's I'm using a, a really big chunk of the Creative Cloud. Um, so yeah, I, and, and I I don't necessarily need. I just want something reliable that that gives me the features I want, and I don't really need the feature bloat that that mm-hmm. the you know a yearly or a two yearly big release sort of schedule brings. So I, I mean, it seems like a win win thing. We get the new features as they're as they're available, and you know we don't have to relearn the program when everything changes and. 
and yeah. we don't we don't necessarily it's, have the bloat. It's so interesting because we we've or they have have built up this ecosystem around these releases, right? So mm. there's this expectation from the user base that something big is going to, you know, is going to come out, it's going to change my workflow and make my life so much easier. I won't know how I was able to live without it. And then there's the educational industry which is gigantic billion dollar industry that's built around these releases as well so it's not just you waiting on these it's the lynda.coms and the kelby trainings and the creative lives yeah, and yeah. the rocking nut publishers all these people want releases to come so they have something new to train you on there's nothing new to train you on <laughs> there's, there's no reason for them to get more money out of you right right but they are still doing the training on the, on these little incremental releases yeah right? The yeah, RSL, yeah right there were a bunch of linda titles that came out in march when they were released and again in july when they released and so it's just and so it's probably better for them they don't have to just say oh you know what do you know get a they get a pre-look at it and try to get things in the pipe but they have a lot of things they got to cover and this way they kind of spread it out over the years so yeah that's why it gets depressing i have a whole bookshelf back there that have books in there that i regularly at least once a quarter go through and pull out books that are now irrelevant and donate them to the library sorry library but (laughs) donate them to the library (laughs) yeah i i started doing that i mean for the it was like the i don't know several years ago maybe five years ago i was like look at all these books i have laying around the house i have books everywhere and then i just spent like a week going through all these books and just make make binarily going through the the pile saying relevant irrelevant relevant irrelevant (laughs) i ended up with more irrelevant than i had relevant and i literally had to fill up the car and go to the library and just hey here you guys go. You know, yeah, do all I these still books. need that Adobe Five book? No. Exactly. Yeah, the the Photoshop Bible. You remember that? Yeah, because <laughs> so, yeah, these books get out, especially now. So as like you were saying before, Craig, as these as Adobe drip feeds these features out, it, it instantly kind of makes the book that you bought before the feature was released somewhat obsolete. Right? right, or even as they polish new features, there's a different way to use this particular tool. But your book describes the old way, and that's but digital getting online, you could probably find out what's going on a little bit easier. So I do think they have a challenge because they do drip out these features though, and don't have a big release for them. Is that a lot of people are not aware that they exist? Yeah, right. Yeah. They they were out of town the week it was released, and they get back and they've missed all the talk about it and. Uh, I, I encounter that all the time. I'll show somebody, you know, uh, this is great new feature. And they go, when did that happen? I said, well, three months ago. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They just didn't know. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. And we, we're in this cloud. All three of us, I think, uh, are in this cloud of updating. And we're always on the latest and greatest and cutting edge and have the latest thing. And, you know, all the time. And I, it's refreshing when I talk to my friends that aren't on that train. You know, these are the folks that are like, yeah, I'm still on Photoshop 5.5. It works great for me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need anything else, you know. And it's, I'm like, how can you possibly be on that? But they're still creating amazing work. They're perfectly happy, you know. I'm like, right. how, do I, how do I downshift away from the, the constant wave of I, updates? You can't go back. You can't. It's a ratchet, huh? It's a ratchet. <laughs> yeah. That's Once you sad. experience it, you can't go back. Now, they did have some in, other interesting things in this release a lot of focus on mobile 
mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, uh, tell us released, about that. What did they do? Well, so they released all of the app, a lot of their apps uh, for Android, which they, you know, they had all been iOS apps prior to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was kind of a big deal. And they're doing a lot with, they, they have they have so many mobile apps, I, I have trouble keeping track of what is what, but Photoshop Fix mm-hmm. um, and Mix which uh, are, are for doing like portraits and that sort of thing. And they're doing, they're doing liquefying, healing, uh, skin smoothing in the yeah. new app, yeah. right? Some yep. pretty interesting stuff. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know that I would use it. Well, I, I rarely use the mobile apps. It's if I'm traveling and want to do, you know, here's the shot I did today and I'll just do a quick and dirty to post on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, most of my editing is going to be back on my, you know, desktop, but it, they're, they're really powerful tools. They're adding to these mobile apps. And I'm sure that would, you know, appeal to some people in their workflow. I wonder if one day we'll get, we'll, I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder when the day will come when we get to the full mobile workflow where a desktop is no longer needed. Martin, you think we'll, we'll get there at any, any point? I think it's possible. I mean, technically it's obviously possible, but um, I think I was reading a, a statement from Apple recently where people are saying, you know, the new MacBook Pros have been announced and um, part of the the marketing um, blurb that I was reading about that or, or one of the, I think it was maybe Mac Rumors, um, they were saying that someone in Apple has said, you know, we, we've got no intention in the, in, in the near future, in like five to ten years, to to bring to to create one OS that works on both the, the you know the the laptops and on the i i right. you know like iPhone iPad things like that yeah. um, they're going to keep them separate through necessity and because because they don't see the the future in bringing them together um, so, but I mean technically it's obviously possible the iPads yeah. my my phone is more powerful than my first computer but oh, then yeah. my yeah. phone is more powerful than than you know, computers of five, ten years ago. Oh, um, yeah, I so, remember when I was when I was in the military. They, we, I was stationed at Vandenberg Air Force Base here in California, mm-hmm. on the coast. And uh, I remember this was this was the time during the Strategic Arms Reduction Treaty. I don't know the, the START Treaty. That was when we would invite Russian officials to come tour our military. <coughs> Excuse me. I think that was a Russian hacking me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That was the time when we would invite the Russians to come in and tour our our milita- our nuclear capabilities, and they would do the same kind of a show me yours, I'll show you mine kind of thing. And I remember uh, I was just an airman at the time, and I was fo- I, I was tasked to follow them around and take pictures and document what was going on. And I remember the speech that the general would give, and he's like, you know, the technology that we use to launch to this ICBM is probably less capable and this is you can tell how old this was he's less capable than what's present in a palm pilot remember those and i was like a nuke you know the, a, a multi uh, or intercontinental ballistic missile with multi-warhead capability launched that could basically end life as we know it controlled by something as powerful as a palm pilot and you fast forward to today we have you know, many times that in every device we have in our pockets, mm-hmm. right? right? My watch has more power than the. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the you can power. wage global thermal nuclear war with your uh, with your Apple Watch, Craig. <laughs> Would you like to play a game? No, I don't want to play that game at all. <laughs> 
All right, guys, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about something that happened in Chicago involving baseball. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three projects. You're prepping for a photo shoot later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to life as a freelance photographer. Challenging, yes, but our friends at FreshBooks believe the rewards are so worth it. With freelancers and small business owners in mind, FreshBooks has announced the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for our needs, photographers. FreshBooks has created a super-intuitive tool Tool that makes it easy to create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can easily customize your invoice with your logo, color scheme, or any image that reflects your brand. You'll be able to see what invoices have been sent, viewed, and paid, as well as overdue and outstanding invoice totals. You can even chat with your client regarding an invoice once they receive it. The modern and simplified dashboard works as the hub of your business, answering the most important question how is my business doing? You'll have quick access to outstanding balances, spending, total profit, and accounting reports like tax summary and profit and loss. Tracking expenses is as easy as taking a photo of your receipt and using the FreshBooks iOS app. You can track expenses by vendor and by category. And time tracking makes it easier to bill for time by client and by specific projects. You can easily start your timer and track your time to the minute. And when it comes time to create an invoice, you'll know what you did and when you did it. So get ready for the simplest way to be more productive and organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the TWIP audience. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Start your 30-day free trial today. And we thank FreshBooks for supporting this episode of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, we are back. Story number two is about the Chicago Sun-Times and Tribune covers after the World Series. So, Craig, do you know what the World Series is? Are you familiar uh, yeah, with Yeah, yeah, I watched it, actually. I you watched, watched the whole thing, I watched, really? I watched the, the, uh, the last, yeah, the, the series between uh, the uh, Chicago and the team that lost. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and that other team, the yeah. Indians. Yeah. Yeah. So this is was this hockey or football? I don't know. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the story is this comes to us from Petapixel. Um, so the story is yeah. If, if you didn't know, and if you are not a sports fan, the Chicago Cubs finally, finally world won the World Series after a 108 year drought, and I am from Chicago, so. Yeah, I had we had to have the story in, in this episode, <laughs> but there was like, how do we tie this into photography? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so had to search the internet far and wide. Well, was, well, apparently some pictures were taken of this game. There you go. There's the tie-in. Uh, so, so let's see. But let's see. I'm going to read this blurb. The Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series last night after a 108-year drought. But what some photojournalists talking over the cover photos. They're talking over the the cover photos that were published by two of Chicago's biggest newspapers, the Tribune and the Sun-Times. Martin Bailey, did you, uh, did you look at this article over on Petapixel? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think it's, it, I mean, it's, we knew that something like this was going to be coming and, and it's Mm -hmm. the quality, the quality of photos that are being, um, used by, you know, newspapers that have basically trained their, 
reporters to use an iPhone to make the photographs. Yeah. The the quality of the two photos is um is just you know, it's it's right there to see. Um obviously you're gonna you're gonna link to this in the show notes. Absolutely. Um so if people haven't uh, haven't already looked, the Chicago Tribune shot, that's got like an epic um photograph of of the the players jumping up. And then the the Sun Times has got like it looks like probably is something that one of the people in the audience just shot with their iPhones. <laughs> totally. And, totally. And, and it's I mean it's it's sad. It's a, it's a sign of the times, but it's it's also in in many ways I'm I'm happy this has happened because it will hopefully make some of the companies that are thinking of cutting their photographers think more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it will stop many of them because the. You know, photography is being commoditized. It's the the value of, of photographs is going down um, every year, and I think that there's, you know, budgets are being cut worldwide, and it's going to continue to happen. Um, yeah. On a on a totally selfish note, you know, I mean, us photographers that actually make part of our, our income from selling photos, either as stock and prints, things like that. We're surrounded, you know, the world is full of photographs every day. We look at billboards, the TV, newspapers, magazines. And if the quality of the, photo, the photos that's being forced on us in these, in these media, forms of media goes down, then it's going to help our photographs to stand out. It increases the contrast, right? <laughs> so, I mean, totally selfish way to think about it. But, I mean, it's yeah. like stock as well. I mean, a lot of the, the, the companies that are selling stock for, for pennies, the quality of their work is, is obviously going to be less than you'll get from a, a, a more expensive but a fully cre- curated um, library of, of images from companies like, like Offset, the one that I work with. And so, you know, I think that the, if you if you consider it that the the quality of work of photographs being shown to people is is going down will help us to to stand out. That's maybe a good thing. But I think that obviously the 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 bad thing is is that there are photojournalists around the world that are losing their jobs because of this trend. Um, it's a sign of the times. We're not going to change any of this. We're not going to stop Adobe selling. Their, their new Adobe stock and, and giving essentially some of the photographers that are contributing like 25 cents per photo, mm-hmm. um, less than that in some cases. It's, we're not going to stop it. Photography has been commoditized. It's, but, you know, it, I think that this is a good story. It's a win for the photographer in many ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. And it, it's the whole contrast argument. And we, we covered the story, what, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago? It was when, a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah when they when they started axing these photographers and now and and we keep seeing these these things happen, you know. It's it's turning over it's eschewing the the idea of professional journalism for crowdsourced journalism, which is pluses it has its pluses and minuses. It's crowdsourced or Every man journalism means you'll cover every corner of the planet because everyone is equipped with a camera these days, but not everyone is equipped with the artisanship required to create a good image. Craig, what do you right. what do you think of this? Well, I, uh, they right they do have the reporters taking photos with with 
iPhones instead of having the photographer go out with them. And mm-hmm. for most stories, you would never even notice, or it may mm-hmm. not make a big difference. I, but this was an iconic, right? This was a big deal. It should have yeah. been, right? And one photo, as he said, is iconic, and the other one, it looks, you know, kind of like a snapshot from the audience. Now, it turns out that, that the, the one that the Sun-Times used that was just looks like a snapshot was done by a professional photographer. It was an AP prof- photographer named David Phillip. And I went and looked at his body of work, and he takes epic photographs. So this was more just the the, the newspaper, the editor doesn't know about photography, and that you know they lost their photo editor as well, and so probably just picked the you know picked one because it showed you know something you he think, liked. You would think, but what I, what was going on in my mind as I read this was okay, maybe what happened was. There was sour grapes, you know, if I was the editor and this was the World Series and I'm in Chicago and there's a chance that the Cubs may take it and it's a 108 year drought, I would be getting on the phone saying, "Okay, guys, I need some pro help here just in case, you know, we take this thing. These are going to be some historic photographs. I wouldn't just trust it to somebody that didn't have any talent. And then the response I would probably get from those guys that had been cut loose would be like, go pound sand. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Go figure it out yourself. You know, I'm not going to help you now when you, you know, I'm trying to feed my kids and you let me go, you know? So I mean, the economics of it are that, right. They are hurting. Uh, My local newspaper here um, on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday is, you know, it, it feels like it's only three pages you know, long. They don't have any advertising anymore. It used mm-hmm. to be right, big thick newspaper, and mm-hmm. they're they're really struggling. And you know, it's it, internet has kind of you know killed a lot of the the actual newspaper jobs, right? That's Which right. we talked about years ago is why they why yeah. they laid these people off in the first place. It I don't know how they solved that, right? It's it, hey, uh, I, I started my career in Silicon Valley after leaving the military at the San Jose Mercury News. That was that was my job, and I one of my favorite things to do at the San Jose Mercury News was to go back into the press room and see those giant press machines feeding newspaper through them. Like it's like giant, you know, transformer robots that are creating newspapers. It was like the most fascinating thing in the world, and it's sad to think that 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 world, you know, I mean, back then even there was the the sign on the wall because I think the big threat to newspapers back then, probably still today, was Craigslist. Because mm-hmm. newspapers made all their money from classified ads when you could just go on Craigslist and sell your stuff quicker for nothing, you right. know? <laughs> so they just took the wind out of their sales. That was the big threat. And now it's everything else. It's, 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 it's us, right? It's podcasts. It's blogs. It's Craigslist. It's Amazon. It, everyone is taking the wind out of there. And now newspapers have kind of become, you know, kids today probably may, some kids may have never even picked up a newspaper, you mm-hmm. know, in their lives. Which is which is kind of strange, but as someone said on the, I was watching the news, getting depressed yesterday. But they were saying something. Someone was saying something about um, they were having the discussion about. Actually, I think it was President Obama was talking. He had done this interview with um, what's the comedian from Bill Maher. So he did a he did an interview with Bill Maher, and they were talking about the, the president was talking about how you there's no the problem with information dissemination these days is the internet and you there's so many different news sources there's nothing for people to kind of put their brain on to say yeah this is the right thing and this is objective journalism right here you kind of get what the news outlet wants to tell you and then if they say it with loudly enough and repeatedly enough you will believe it and he actually went on to say that newspapers 
are probably the only way or one of the few ways that people can get real objective journalism these days. Mm. So, I don't know. It's scary. And they're going away. So then yeah. what, what, does, what does the world look like in 2020? I don't mm. know. After, after four years of this next president. Right? So, so we, we don't know. We don't know. I don't know. Martin, Martin what, how do you consume your news over there in Japan? Is it all online or do you, do you slip down and go get a newspaper and read it? Yeah, we used to get a newspaper, um, but it, I, I don't. I rarely read it. I, my yeah. wife used to read it, and I, I'd pick it up every every few weeks, maybe. Um, but that I've always been that way. I, I've never been a big newspaper reader. Yeah. Um, since the internet came along, of course, I, I pick up stuff, and I'll, I'll, I'll get snippets of news here and there. But probably, I mean, for me, the biggest thing is just I, I watch the news on the TV at least once a day. Um, the problem with that, of course, is that the, the the TV stations now, all of the news programs here are scared because Abe, the the uh, the, prime, the premier or prime minister or whatever of Japan, is is bringing in these stupid laws that that stop journalists from basically having freedom of speech, um, and and they're they're making things a little bit scary over here for the for the journalists, but. You know, still generally, they've they've got, we've got good quality news, and I just I just watch the news on the TV. So I've never really been one of the people that was contributing to the to keeping newspaper companies in uh, in business anyway. Uh, yeah. But, if, but see, mean, that's I, the other, you, that's the other thing, Martin. You hit on you hit a, a, an interesting point there. You you get your news some of your news from the TV, and one of the trends here in the U.S. is cord cutting. Right, so people don't have that. I mean, we get I get YouTube, I mm. get Hulu, Netflix, I get apps for Showtime, HBO, all that stuff. So I could, I don't, I don't. You know, I mean, I have CNN on Apple TV, but it's not like I'm going in there and I'm watching it regularly, mm. right? So, right. so that that routine that we used to have, where in the United States at least, it was watch dinner, sit down, watch the news. Now you're up to date, go to bed, get up the next morning, discuss what happened on the news around the coffee, uh, around the water cooler, mm. and then, you know, rinse and repeat. That cycle is gone. Mm. So, so what do we do, especially if newspapers go away? What's, what's next? You know, I, I, mm-hmm. one thing that I do is um, I, I use a, a program, I think it's called Leaf. Um, mm. It's basically, you know, the, they're kind of going out of, out of fashion a little bit now. Um, but it, it's it's an R R really simple syndication RSS. R, yeah. RSS. So yeah. I've got a, a bunch of RSS feeds from various news sources. A lot of them are photography based. So if if David Dushman releases a a new blog post, I get a little thing in Leaf, and I've, I've got a a whole bunch of photography related stuff. But I've got a few news source uh, news feeds in there as well. Um, so if if something's announced that is important, then that'll often pop up in there. And I, I think that's probably, as far as just the written news is concerned, you know, like in text, that's probably one of the main ways that I consume that. The problem is, is that I probably open Leaf, I don't know, once every few weeks. Cause <laughs> right. I, yeah. I, I, just, I just don't have the time. I'm kind of confident that if something big is happening, I'll hear about it somewhere. And, and I... I I, rec- I, I suppose I'm pretty passive as far as that getting the news concerned. I'm not, apart from the news that I watch on the TV in the evenings, everything else, I just sit here and wait for it to fall into my ears or, or eyes. And generally it does. Um, yeah. 
I can't really think of how, but I mean, even even Twip just just coming on here once a, once a month or once every few months, I learn things that are happening. And and when I listen, you know, that you learn you learn things. Podcasts, especially things like this, and um, and Sharky James's Petapixel. I mean, he's the Petapixel site is great for for yeah. bringing new stories in the photography world, and uh, and Sharky does a great job of of you know putting that out to the world so subscribe to a few podcasts and you get some of the most of the main stuff that's happening and yeah. i think that's probably what i'm doing <clears throat> yeah yeah but again you have to be it's maybe we need some sort of podcast curation or some sort of curation just because you know like like the president was saying in that interview with bill maher he said something about if people listened if people watched only fox news they would never have elected him <laughs> right. Right. So, which is to say, and well, you know, not to rail against Fox issue. News. Yeah, not to rail against Fox News, but there's both sides of that, right? So, Fox News may re- may represent the right, and then CNN is the left, or you know, there's nothing that's kind of like objective that you can trust, right? You know, well, we right used to think we could trust, right? That that was unbiased, and and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it wasn't so overt mm-hmm. as it is now, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 they're obviously biased now and it's hard to find one that isn't yeah right? yeah it's 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 upsetting i get upset and i don't want to i want to move on to this next story after this but i get upset <laughs> and like like violently projectile ill <laughs> i watch i watch these cnn segments where they try to be fair and balanced or whatever and they bring on you know they're talking politics and they'll bring on you know, one or two people from the the Trump campaign and one or two people from the Clinton campaign. And these are paid surrogates that are paid to argue regardless of how ridiculous the argument is. Right. You know, right. Like, they you make know, their money to, to, to argue. Right? Yeah, to argue. Yeah. Like if, if the, the candidate yeah. that they're representing said, you know, the, the earth revolves around the moon. They would defend it to the end of time <laughs> because that's how they're paid. Yeah. Because yeah. they're paid for that. And, but then there's a constituency of people that will believe that and follow. Yeah. And yeah. I just have to turn it off. I have to walk away. Martin, <laughs> you're lucky, man. You're lucky that you are you are not in this salad of craziness we have going on here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we we have a share of craziness here in Japan, but yeah, yeah I don't know. envy you guys. It's uh, but of course, I mean, a lot of the news at the moment is all about what's happening over in the U.S. So yeah, you know, we're yeah. we're seeing it. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't call us a superpower for nothing, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to story number three. So if you have anything, if you've done anything, either of you have done anything on the Internet in the, you know, over the past, what was it, last week, week before last, you probably hit the slowdown, right? Uh, So there was a, what was it, last Friday? I think it was last Friday. Two Fridays ago, yeah. So sites like Netflix, Twitter, Spotify, Wired, Hulu, all these guys basically either slowed down or went completely offline because there was this massive DNS attack. uh, attack. They called it a botnet attack. And essentially what happened was some hackers, we don't know who they are, or maybe some people know who they are, but we don't know who they are, took over several, allegedly several webcams, kind of like the ones that we are doing this show on right now, to use them to direct uh, a, a gazillion 
requests to these sites, thereby bringing them down to their knees. That's what a, that's what a denial of service attack is. You can only it's like a fire hose, like trying to drink from a fire hose. You, your your mouth can only take so much, and then you kind of die or shut down, right? So that's that's what they did. They turned everybody into a fire hose at these sites and and brought them to their knees. So the the story is people were saying that oh this is you know people the the hackers took control of of baby monitors and webcams and security cameras and all this stuff when actually what happened was something slightly different. Craig, did you read did you read the story? I did. Yeah. So it so tell us what happened. It was uh, it it was security cameras uh, not. Uh, cameras that consumers use, but the ones that businesses would tend to use. And it was the older models. A lot of them had uh, uh, either a modem connection to the internet, um, right? So a modem, uh, yeah, two thousand four. <laughs> well, yeah. so in these security things, the they you don't need a lot of throughput for them. You, you know, it it uh, and and they just work, right? You just plug mm-hmm. it in, and right. I had one in my business for 11 years that I got at the beginning and never never upgraded it because it just took security camera footage, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the security, you know, someone found a, a vulnerability in the software and was able to download software into them that could cause this botnet attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Martin. Martin, what do you what do you think about this? Was did you were you affected at all by this attack? Um, I. I think I noticed a few sites that I that I regularly visit that were slow, but I, it wasn't something that really affected us over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I was sent an email by a few of the services that I use saying that you know we've been affected, but it's all okay now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I think the the fun thing about this, not the fun thing, <laughs> kind of a a uh, ironically fun thing about this is that. Um, you know, the article that, that you, you've linked to goes on to talk about um, things like light bulbs being, uh, you know, th- that are, everything's connected now. And You're right. they mention a, a toothbrush that's connected. My tooth, my electric toothbrush has Bluetooth and, and records how many minutes I, I record. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I, I uh, brush my teeth each day. It, it says, OK, you brush your teeth. You haven't brushed your teeth yet. And I'll oh, shut up, you know, so. You, really? Everything. Oh, yeah, honestly, it's, it, I've got Bluetooth in my in my toothbrush, so it, <laughs> it knows it knows. How, I mean, it's David Dusherman, when we were on a couple of years ago, we were on my uh, Hokkaido landscape tour together, and he sat behind me and he and he said, "Show me some of your photos on your phone." So I've, I've got the opened the, the phone up, gave him Lightroom Mobile. And then when he closed it, he started looking at the other apps on my phone, and he says, "What's this? You've got the, a, a brown, 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 you know, the yeah. toothbrush." Yeah. And, uh-huh. and he and he said, "What's this?" And he opened it up, and it said, "It said Martin's pushing too hard." And and so he's like, roll, he's rolling around, and it's basically if you if you put apply too much pressure when you brush your teeth, it warns you. So. Yeah. You know, so, so the the point oh, was. Oh, Martin, that's taking it too far, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I heard someone talking about a toilet paper roll dispenser that would notify Amazon when it ran low. <laughs> and so, so these things. I mean, a lot of the time, it's just gimmicks to get us to buy stuff. It worked for me. I mean, I, I'd got the one toothbrush that was like I don't know two hundred dollars for a really nice electric toothbrush. The one with Bluetooth was almost three hundred dollars. They got an extra hundred dollars out of me for Bluetooth, and 
I so th- that's what's happening. People are putting, they're connecting happens. stuff. The Internet of Things, they call it, right? The Internet exactly. of Things. Yeah. So yeah, at the very end of this article, the fun thing was a a um, a quote by um, the, I think it's Wick Wickholm. It says, "It says people shouldn't be afraid of their light bulb," says Wickholm. Yet, but you yeah. should be aw- you should be aware that if it has an internet connection, that light bulb could be turned against you. Skynet Skynet is coming, man. Everything is online. Everything's connected in this internet of things. And so you do have to be, I think you have to ask yourself, do you really need everything online? Um, I think you mentioned last month when I was on Twitter, Frederick, about the, the, some, uh, was it a door, a door camera? Um, Oh yeah. The the ring ring. Yeah. Yeah. By default, it, it's it's streaming constantly. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. And and the more manufacturers that try to use that sort of thing um, and without really thinking of the consequences, just hook everything up onto the Internet, it, it should be – we should be more intelligent – or not we, but the manufacturers of these products should be more intelligent. And if you're going to connect something up, how do you connect it and how much data do you really need to send across the Internet? Yeah, I don't know. I, I would like a I would like a a smart toilet that would that would analyze my deposit wait, 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 and tell going? me how to adjust my diet. I was about to say, don't go there. Don't go there. Say, Frederick, uh, you need more fiber. Yeah, nice. It's well, coming. It's coming. Yeah. I'm telling you, these startups. I I you know started my career working in these startups in the Silicon Valley here and. Typically, the the person that was in charge of security, you know, uh, was the junior or you know new engineer. It was not one of the, right. It was kind of an afterthought. Oh yeah, we should probably look at security. We'll put you know Bob on it. He just started, and uh, it, you know a lot of companies, especially these startups where you don't have a lot of you know people, mm-hmm. and everybody's wearing multiple hats. You know, he just goes and finds something online that you know some service and says all right this is this is how we're going to do our security without knowing the ramifications of it so yeah. it's it's I, I think it's just uh going to continue to be an issue right yeah yeah i don't think you can you can stop it right and there, there's multiple tangents happening right because there's there's all these discussions about ai and how at a certain point it's going to become sentient and and realize that that humans are an infestation in the problem and, and tell us that, hey, the planet is more important than these things living on it and <laughs> try to get, get rid of us so we won't harm the planet. And, you know, there's all kinds of things happening that are that are scary. Mm. But it's all good. But, you know, you think about this stuff. I, I was thinking about it when, when they said that these these seemingly innocuous devices were commandeered to do something nefarious. I was thinking, you know, we're heading down this path of self-driving vehicles Oh, and yeah. trucking and all that. What happens when that network is breached, <laughs> and and hackers decide, you know, I want to cause gridlock in Los Angeles. Well, that's that's already yeah. Los Angeles, but I want to cause <laughs> gridlock in some other city or do something. You know, right, just crash all the cars. Yeah, crash all the cars. Yeah, you know, yeah. or or do something. You know, whatever. It's well, even, yeah. Even now, they they say that there's there are ways. Some of the cars that are online to get updates and things, there, there are ways to take over them and co- and like disable the brake system uh, and things like I, that. I, 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 I saw, saw that movie. A, yeah. I, well, I saw a, a news report on that just a couple of weeks ago, mm. where yeah. guys sitting, they get a hacker sitting in the car, and he's saying, "All right, 
Okay, I'm going to make the car go reverse. I'm going to yeah. make the car stop now, right? Yeah. Oh. So these things are already possible because we're sticking everything online, and we need to be we need to get better at the security and um and the one thing that we should probably say to, just for the listeners in that um if they don't go and check out the uh, the full article that at the moment this article saying that we're not too concerned about devices on a on a network at home because a lot of the time only your router is or router is um has actually got an IP address that's publicly visible um it's really not that easy to to get devices that are inside your home um, to get to them from outside, from the router. So yeah. it's not something that you need to worry about immediately, thinking that everything's going to go crazy. But I think we all need to be um, to be a little bit, uh, you know, concerned about... Cautiously the, the possibility. Yeah, the possibility of... Uh, it's like that thing they were talking about in the article as well, where some, uh, some people from halfway around the world were talking to kids on their... on the baby cam thing. Um, mm-hmm. This is, you know, you have to be careful about what you put on the internet... Um, yeah, do you, do, you Martin, on, do you ever do you ever do you feel like that you could cut the cord? Do you feel like you could say take your family and move to you know a a log cabin in the woods and and fish in the creek for your for your dinner and and raise crops and light a fire at night and read? You ever feel like <laughs> you ever feel like that you could do that? I could do that for about I don't know a week. Um, yeah, uh-huh. but, I mean for. Uh, like many people, my my entire business depends on being online. Um, yeah, you know, I, I create content. That's part of one of the, one of my main marketing vehicles. If I can't get to the internet, then basically my business collapses, and I I don't get to do the uh, the Tim Ferriss five hour week or anything. <laughs> I mm-hmm. you know it's just I I have to be online. Um, I find it relaxing sometimes when I like in, when I was in Greenland recently. It was one of those systems where you have to pay like $45 for an hour of internet and you have to log off when you're finished. Um, So I I actually found it quite refreshing to to not be connected the whole time. That'd be a resort. That'd be like a nice resort. Yeah. The the detox, the tech geek detox resort. Right. Right. It's the same for Namibia. I mean, I'll be in Namibia again in June next year. And one of the things that I say in the guidebook is... We don't have internet. There are some places where, where the internet is either so slow or non-existent that you're going to be offline for a couple of days. Let's enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it yeah. actually does feel good to not have access to Instagram or things like this, just, you know, just, just in blocks of time. But I think it's about a day of I, withdrawals, you know, because you're just you're, you're you're going through withdrawal symptoms, and then mm. it's like, oh, this is kind of nice, yeah. right? Well, it's these Utah trips that I go on are the same way. You know, I, um, I've, the longest I've had no internet access is a week on Lake Powell, a houseboat on Lake Powell, um, and after a few days, I you know, the first few days, I'm going, I need to <laughs> need to check my email, I need to right, mm. but after a while, it was it was it was refreshing, it was nice, and I didn't. It, I could then just concentrate on my photography and yeah. just, right? I think uh, what helps is, is you come out the other side and the world hasn't ended and you're not in financial ruin even though you weren't in you weren't in contact and responding within 30 milliseconds to every email that came into you. Uh, it, it, does, um, it does feel weird coming back and getting that internet, though. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I missed a chunk of life that happened while I was gone. Um, and I sometimes there are people that are, right, mad at me because they couldn't get in touch with me mm. right? yeah. yeah that's true that's to true. deal with them so. 
But what, Craig, what Craig, do you think you could live like I I I posited to to Martin there? You think you could live by the by the streak and by the creek in a log cabin and and hang out and fish and eat fresh salmon and bake your own bread? I, I could certainly do it, but I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> Well, we may be we may be heading in that direction, yeah, my might. friend. <laughs> All right, guys, let's let's take another quick break. Um, when we come back, the guys will share their picks of the week. Friday, November 11th is Veterans Day here in the United States. And as many of you already know, having spent eight years in the U.S. Air Force, I'm personally proud to be called a veteran. To celebrate this day, we're temporarily dropping the prices for three of our most popular TWIP school courses from $147 each to just $47 each. That's $100 off. For the next few days, you can get access to Pocket Shooters, Mastering iPhone Photography, Aurora HDR 2017 Demystified, or digital video alchemy pro video with non-pro gear each for just $47 and if you like all three you can grab the bundle for just $137 just use the code twip veteran and grab this essential training before the price goes back up the discount promptly ends November 15th so grab them now all right guys we're back let's dive into our picks of the week segment this is where you can recommend anything you would like under the stars to mm-hmm. the TWIP army as long as it is related to some somehow related to photography. Martin, I'm going to let you go first, man. What's your what's your pick of the week? Um I'm I'm going to pick I don't know if I've I've got a bit of a backlog. I don't know if anyone else has um has mentioned this recently, but I'm going to I'm going to pick the um the DJI Osmo Mobile. Um the I remember a couple of years ago when the the Osmo came out and Frederick you told me about it. Mm-hmm. And you, you were doing this on the screen, and you was like, "Okay, look at that." So, so <laughs> I, I ran out and bought. I ran out and bought an Osmo straight away after that. Um, yeah. But I've got to admit, because of it was a really wide fixed lens, and I, I enjoyed the fact that it was four K. Um, but I I found that I wasn't I wasn't using it as much as I wanted to because it was a wide fixed lens, and I. I'd really not got control over it. And then DJI br- brought out some some um, longer focal length cameras that you could fit onto it. And I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bother because the, it, the more of this stuff I add, it's more things to carry around. Yeah. And then I, um, I was talking with uh, Doug Kay uh, a couple of weeks ago. I, we, we spoke for my podcast about um, his Cuba trips. And he mentioned the, the the DJI Mobile. And I thought, you know what? My phone now has 4K. It's got great 4K video in there. It does slow motion in 1080p. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm going to get one of those. So I did the same thing. I actually, just like I did with the DJI Osmo, that um, I, I bought it straight the day after. This one, I think I ordered it within 10 minutes of hanging up the, the, the call with, with Doug. Um, but they're great. You know, I mean, I, I can, I've always got my phone with me. I now. No, I is can, Martin? Is that is the phone that you have on there? Is it, that's an iPhone, right? That's an iPhone with my. Is that a is that a six? It's is a it a six S plus or the smaller it's one? It's the seven and uh, the seven plus. Oh, the so, seven plus. So the big one. I heard it. I heard it had trouble with the big phones. It works okay. You know, it works fine. It's the the problem is is that you you have to be if you put a case on it, it's really difficult to balance it properly. Um, and I actually had to send the first one of these back. The mm. It had got it, but it would turn out to be a problem with the Osmo, the Osmo Mobile itself. It was, it was like I was holding a small cement mixer. It kept shuddering really badly. Um, 
But it turned out there was a problem with it. The, the store sent me another one. And I, um, it's been great. I mean, I don't have to... If I turn this off, you'll see that... You see how it flops over to the side? Um, that's because it's not totally balanced. But yeah. it calibrates fine. And I'm, I'm able to... You know, once I turn the power on, it can handle it. And it's, it's working really well. So I've been out, I've been doing all sorts of things with this. Um, and I, I, was, I was out with a friend uh, photographing the Rainbow Bridge here in Tokyo a couple of, uh, last week. And I, I just was getting some video of that. And it's just really steady. And it's right there on my phone. Um, so what, what it, happened to your old Osmo? It's sitting in my little thing side beside it, me here. It's in your well, tech graveyard, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> you know, when I finally get an employee, I'm going to just test them. The first thing they're going to do is is put everything on the Yahoo auctions here. Um, we don't go. really have eBay, um, uh, but they they have an auction system that Yahoo's Yahoo's still doing pretty well over here in Japan. Um, I was going to say, I didn't even know Yahoo Auctions was still in existence. Right. Wow. So they they're actually it's the main one here in Japan. So. One of the first things that my employee is going to do when I, when I finally make the, make the time to employ someone is to sit down and sell all of the junk that I've got that I haven't I, that oh. I'm not no longer using. I need an um, intern to do that for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a that's a startup business model right there. I think. Right, right. Um, cool. I actually had two things. If if you can let me just do one other quickly. Yeah, go for it. Um, go for it. I've just released a review of. After about 10 years of this being a little bit too soft on the, on the, uh, the higher resolution cameras, Canon has just released the new 24 to 105 f4 IS lens. And, and I just did a, uh, a review of this on my, on my blog yesterday. Um, this, is, this is really nice. They, they've, the sharpness is is you know, totally there. It's it's uh, a little bit better than my tw- twenty four to seventy, which was a very sharp lens anyway. Um, and it's I've I've been really happy with it. I went out and did some some ex- took some example shots last week. Um, on Friday, it was released. I I got it on Thursday. Um, it's released here. It's actually not released in the US until a month from now. Um, because Canon's had some pro- product uh, production issues, it's mm-hmm. running behind a little bit. Um, so although it's now available in Japan, it's going to take you guys another month until you can get it. But it's um, yeah, it's all it's all working. Um, it, it really, really. Uh, and this is a nice and this lens. this this web page that I'm showing is on your blog. So you did a nice little write up about it, right? And yeah, yeah. and you talked about it in podcast episode 548, right? That's the one. Yeah. So I mean, people can get to that with the link mbp.ac slash 548, and uh, and yeah, just check that out. But the uh, it's a great lens. I'm and the thing is for me is it fills a gap. I I've been working now with my 11 to 24. 24 to 70 and then the 100 to 400 for a lot of my work but there's a 30 millimeter gap and a lot of the places that i that i've shooting zooming with your feet will get you killed so yeah, i yeah. you know i i have i really really have missed that 30 millimeters now i've got it so i'm going from 11 to 400 millimeters in in one millimeter increments which is and where where did you buy that lens from martin yodobashi I, no, actually, I got this from Map Camera. The um, I buy all of my cameras and lenses from Map Camera, just down the road from Yodobashi. Okay, um, the Map Camera. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. They're they're a great store here in Tokyo. Um, and I, you know, literally, the good thing here's the good thing. And if I know there's probably less than one percent of your audience listening from Tokyo or Japan, but um, 
the the good thing about this store is that they buy your secondhand gear really really expensively. So I I sold three lens, two lenses, no one lens and one body, and I got um, double the amount needed to buy this new the new lens. So I I I always go back there and just uh, they they give you a little ticket to sh- show that you bought it from them, and mm-hmm. then you get an extra three percent, and it's just really really good prices. So. I, I'm I'm a, a huge fan of map camera. Well, give, here in give us a link, and we'll link to them in the show notes for that for that one percent. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, we'll do. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for that pick of the week, Martin. That was good. No, that's well, right. I, I just recently retired my twenty-four to one hundred and five because I wasn't using it uh, all that much. Because, as you said, it was it is a little soft. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I just you just cost me some money. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's the power of TWIP. It's costing yeah. everybody money. Thank you. All right, Craig, what's uh, what's your pick of the week, man? Well, I have an inexpensive pick. So this is a book by Zach uh, Arias. Who ca- it came out uh, a few years ago. Um, but I pick it up and reread it on a regular uh, uh, regular basis. It's called Photography Q&A, Real Questions, Real Answers. And it's a, just an excellent book. He is he, the... the he is so forthcoming with uh, information. Uh, it, he, he talks about his struggles and the exact same struggles I have and how he dealt with them. Uh, it, it's just something I keep, every time I go back to it, I, I discover something new. Uh, so it's nice. a, a great, great book. Do you have it? Do you have the the physical version or are you rocking the ebook? I, I, uh, I have the physical version, yes. Very cool. I, I read that on Zach on the show. Yeah. It, you, it have it on, you have it on Kindle? Oh, yeah, okay. I, I remember reading this on, on a plane on the way to some some wonderful location, and I, I totally agree with Craig. It's a great book. All right, I'm buying it tonight. Very good. All right. Good. Uh-oh, there's my lights. All right, it'll fix itself in a second. There's some, <laughs> something there's weird. Somebody, somebody hacked the internet and turned on your lights. I think <laughs> because we said yeah. something about hackers. See, now they gave it back to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, guys, my pick of the week is something that I've been looking forward to for a while. And it's uh, so I had a I have a Theta 360 camera, the Ricoh Theta S and which you have as well. Right. Craig? I do. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I yep. love that camera. And the problem with the Theta is it shoots in, it only shoots in 1080, which. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Hold it up. Yeah. Yeah. That one. I have that yeah, one. Yeah. And it's great, but it only shoots in 1080. Which seems like only, but when you think of it, it's 1080 that's on, it's a sphere that only, you only see a portion of that sphere at any given time, which is at best maybe 360. So you end up with kind of a soft, mushy video. It it does great for stills, but for video, it's, you know, it's not the best quality. So... I was looking forward to Nikon releasing the Key Mission 360, which ups the video resolution to 4K, amongst other things. So I picked one up yesterday. I was, I was speaking at a trade show in Seattle yesterday, and I picked this one up yesterday thinking, hey, I'm going to play with that thing. So when I got home, got it set up and everything, and you know, last night I was exhausted from traveling, so I, was, I figured my brain wasn't firing on all cylinders. I couldn't get it set up right. It wouldn't pair to my phone. So I'm doing something stupid. So I went to bed, got up this morning, tried again, and still couldn't get it to go. So I get online like anybody else would. I Google and YouTube, and apparently I'm not the only one that's having issues with pairing this thing to an iOS device. Um, 
So as a result, although I wanted to make this my, my pick of the week today, <laughs> it, it, it has to be my anti pick of the week right now. So in, until Nikon fixes the software on this, I have to steer you away from getting the Key Mission 360 until they fix that pairing issue because it's it's like really, really frustrating to have a beautiful piece of kit that you can't use at all for anything. Even their manual, like just like exactly going through the steps in the manual won't pair. And then getting online and some guy figured it out. He's like, oh, you got to make sure you hit this button first and then stand on one leg and then <laughs> recite the national anthem backwards. Then it might pair if the sun is Equinox or something, right? <laughs> so I did all that stuff and still failed. It still failed. So and you can't use it without pairing it. You can't use it without pairing it. There's, yeah. no, there's no interface on this thing, yeah. right? So you can't set it up. You can't do anything with it without pairing it to some other device with a screen. So as a result, it's my unpick of the week, and it is going back to, it is going back to the retailer whom I will not mention that I bought it from for a full refund. Under un, unfortunately, my other pick, my other pick is kind of photography related, but not really. So if if you well, only have, half the stories have been photography related, I know, I know. This is becoming you know this something in photography. This this week in the world. Um, but the, I saw a movie while I was in Seattle, actually, and uh, it's called Doctor Strange. Have you guys seen this movie yet? I have not. Mm-hmm. I, I want to. It's on my list to see. Okay. This movie is ridiculously good. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have to go see Doctor Strange. I think I liked it specifically because I was in Seattle giving a talk on time travel you know, it was the name of the talk was time travel, right? So it was well, you know, it sounds contrived, Martin, but it was all about you know use the speed of light and how we can manipulate it as photographers to do cool things, right? Um, so then that night, I go see this. T- I go see uh, Doctor Strange, and lo and behold, I'm not going to give away the plot of this, the movie, but the guy's manipulating time. You know, he's doing all kinds of cool stuff. The effects are ridiculous. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch is the main actor in it is good and I think in everything I've seen him in so far he's been exceedingly good and in this he's like the perfect Doctor Strange. It's a good story, good good effects. You know, it's it's a good movie. It's one put it this way. I've only seen I think two movies repeatedly in the theater. I felt like going back to the theater to see him again. One of them was The Matrix, one only. The the other one, the only Matrix. Um, the other one was Jurassic Park. One. Hmm. So I saw those two movies in the theater because I felt like they, was, they were like kind of like, oh my goodness, what's going on? This one is kind of in that ilk of like, okay, this is something new that we haven't seen in the theater before. So cool. that's my movie recommendation, yeah. Doctor Strange. Well, that's the second re- second recommendation I've heard today. So you're yeah, gonna go see I'm it. Go, yeah, go yeah. go see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it has it has ninety one percent on fr- uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, and, does it? Yeah, yeah, Look which is uh, really high. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's good. So I give I give Doctor Strange two thumbs up. I give the Key Mission three sixty one thumbs down until they fix the software. If they fix the software and I'm able to actually, you know, maybe use it, <laughs> then, <laughs> then maybe make some images with the Key Mission. It is you know it is now the the unlock or the locked Mission three sixty. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we're at the end of the show. We kind of talked about what you guys were working on at the beginning of the show, but anything else you want to share with us before we sign off? Martin Bailey, you go first. Yeah, I, um, I, 
I mentioned this last month. I think I've still got a couple of um, places on my Hokkaido land, winter landscape tour in January. Mm-hmm. And I've got one space, due to cancellation, I've got one space on my Namibia tour in June. That's an epic trip. Um, they both are. So if anyone's interested in that, uh, go over to mbp.ac slash workshops. Or just go Craig's, to, Craig's just raising go my, his hand. Craig, I think he just my, sold one. <laughs> yeah, I would love to go to my website and look at the there's a tours and workshops links at the top of the page there and they're all linked from there but yeah they're they're great trips and uh i'd love to travel with uh with a, a member of the twip audience yeah awesome very cool all right well we'll link to as usual we'll link to that in the show notes thank you all right craig colvin man what's up uh, what's uh up so I, I just want to say the uh so the utah adventure trip that i'm doing uh they just opened those up for registration and you get uh, $300 off if you register before December 1st. Uh, I'm doing the June 1st through 6th tour on that. Um, so these are great trips. It's six photographers and three models, and uh, we do five days of, of photography all over Utah. So it's great, great trip. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. Um, go. So, yeah, the registrations just started last week, and I think they're already half full um, So for all their trips. So, uh, it, it, I, I, I went in May last year, liked it so much. I went in September and now I'm, I'm going to start, uh, going, right. Teaching. So, uh, it's, yeah. If you, if you like, uh, fine art nudes and the landscape, there is no better trip out there. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, congratulations, man, on, on doing that. And, uh, yeah. Let me know if you don't fill it up. I may uh, take yeah, that last absolutely. talk from you. All right. I need an end of year kind of respite from the in, from the insanity that is my life. It's getting tough. There are so many so many workshops to go that I want to go on that I, mm-hmm. I'm having to you know pick and choose. I think workshops are important. I think they're becoming increasingly important. We talked we talked a while back about how how many there were and the kind of this influx, but I think workshops personally serve a really important kind of role in in the photographer's life because you we we all tend to have you know even even the most modest gear is really good these days but if you don't put yourself in a situation to use that gear you end up disappointed and jaded and you know why did i spend all my money on that camera and all i have pictures of my feet after i unboxed it you know so (laughs) so so you know doing these or attending these workshops i think is important because it forces you out of your comfort zone and into a situation with other people that are like-minded plus you have adult supervision you know with with a photographer that knows the location that you're at and all that and then you end up with great images and you come you come back jazzed with you know new friends and new images and a new understanding of how to use your gear and right. you just want to go on another one right yeah it's always it's always inspirational and it it's you know it it's some a period of time, three days to a week or whatever, of just marinating in photography. Mm-hmm. That's right. You, you, you're just getting up and shooting. You know, hanging around people talking about photography. Go shoot again. It's it's great. Uh, you yep. don't. You just can't do that in your day to day life. Or well, I can't. Maybe no. some people can. But that, no, no, right. no. You can't. You can't. So. Cool. Well, I recommend both of both of your workshops. I think uh, people should definitely check them out. I think they're they they would both be life changing in their own unique ways. Yep. 
All right. We are at the end of another episode of TWIP. Remember TWIP Army. You can help us grow TWIP and expand it by becoming a patron. Every donation helps. Just head over to twip.pro slash donate to get access to our patron-only TWIP resources. And, of course, my undying gratitude. That's twip.pro slash donate. And also you can check out thisweekinphoto.com to subscribe to this show and all of our other podcasts about all things photography. And now it is time to take that lens cap off. Mm-hmm.